Hello, my rebels. You know, I, I really believe in Godwin's law. I don't think you should jump to calling anyone a Nazi easily or early. I say that just because it's not a good way to debate, but also because as a Jew, I don't want to profane, I don't want to trivialize what the Holocaust was. People who said Trump was as bad as, an, as Hitler, if you flip that over, they're saying Hitler was no worse than Trump. Okay, well, that doesn't mean Hitler wasn't that bad a guy. Do you see what I mean? You don't want to normalize, trivialize, routinize the use of the word Nazis. But I look at what's happening in Austria and in Germany, and I think, my God, they've certainly come back rather quickly, not all the way yet, but boy, are they moving in the wrong direction. I'll take you through it. I'll show you what's going on in Germany and Austria. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this show. I think that's important because I'm going to show you some police walking through barbershops and restaurants in Germany asking people for their papers. It's not a pretty sight. You get the video version of this podcast by going to rebelnewsplus.com and clicking subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. That's not a lot, is it? That's half the price of Netflix. You get access to my show, Sheila Gunn Reed's show, David Menzies' show, Andrew Chapito's show, and most importantly, you support Rebel News because we're one of the few media that don't take money from the government. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. Tonight, Germany falls backwards and announces a fascist new policy towards an unclean minority. It's December 2nd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're the biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. It's weird to see video footage of German police and Austrian police sweeping through the streets of those countries, walking through private businesses shouting, your papers! I mean, it's, it's weird in that we're generally used to seeing that in grainy black and white historical footage. It's odd to see it in high-definition video in color. Um, here's a picture of some Nazis in occupied Poland in the 40s. Looks like that's a Jew they're pulling over. I don't know. Your papers. Papers, please. I am papier. Bitte. Forgive my accent. For the better part of a century, that was a Western catchphrase summing up the police state aspects of Nazism. Your papers, papers, please. It's really become part of Western popular culture, not just political culture. Here's a scene from the great movie Casablanca. May we see your papers? I don't think I have them on me. In that case, we'd have to ask you to come along. Wait, it's possible that, uh, yes. Here they are. These papers expired three weeks ago. You have to come along. Halt! Halt! I'm not saying that movies are real or that catchphrases have a deep meaning. It's just that for 80 years, there's been a knock on Germany and even Germans. I believe a lot of the liberalism of Germany over the last 75 years has been a reaction to, a compensation for, 
the papers, please, ideology of the Nazis. So it wasn't just Hollywood movies. I think Germany had a psychological existential crisis dealing with what they did, what was done in their name, what they passively or actively permitted. It scarred the country the way that slavery scarred many Americans. I don't mean black Americans who were literally scarred as the slaves. I mean Americans, white Americans, who have come to terms with the fact that America had slaves for more than 250 years. Now, America fought a war, its most bloody war, in part to rid itself of the institution of slavery, and it is still writhing from the echoes of that. You can say that America has made things right, or you can say that America has more to do. But Germany killed six million Jews in the Holocaust and started a war that led to the deaths of 50 million or more. I, I'm glad it caused generations of Germans to question things pretty deeply, but I guess that's all done now. I mean, America elected a black president twice. Germany, well, as Hollywood would say, they're, they're a bit typecast, aren't they? Um, because they're bringing in a new segregation, a new ghettoization, a new legal underclass, um, it's all too on the nose, you know what I mean? Guys, um, I mean, in the Holocaust, the Nazis built ghettos to separate the Jews in a particular city from the rest of the city. Here's a grocery store in Germany. You have the clean side and the unclean side. That's grocery stores. At least the unvaccinated are still allowed in them for now. Not so for most other places, bars, restaurants, movies, gyms. Here's some police going through a barber shop. Just, you know, Austria, Germany, they're, they're outdoing each other, really. They're whipping each other into a frenzy, almost. Not that that hasn't happened before. I mean, good God, people. You know, it's odd. Germany, into a lesser sense, uh, Austria, uh, over the course of the last decade, they've taken in millions of migrants, largely from the Middle East, from Africa, from Syria, from Afghanistan. 90% of them... Young men, not who you normally would consider refugees. In my mind, that's the young, the old, the sick, the poor. No. Now, of course, these young men can't get to Africa, from Africa or Syria to Germany without going through other countries first. So none of them are, legally speaking, refugees under the UN definition. They are no longer in genuine danger on the basis of, say, their religion or race. They're just looking to get to Germany and to get to the United Kingdom, by the way because Germany is so rich, it's so generous, it's so liberal, it's so respectful of minorities, it's such a great place to live. At least that's how it was for the better part of the past decade, literally millions. No papers, no documents, no vetting, no actual legal application, no cops chasing you down, just bring them in by the million. You know, they called Angela Merkel, the chancellor, they called her Muti Merkel, Mother Merkel. Angela Merkel actually has no children of her own, but perhaps these millions of poor migrant men were her surrogate boys. Yeah, that was then. This is now. What a change to go from an anything-goes welfare state. No papers, no ID. Don't be racist. Don't card people. Don't stop and frisk. No discrimination. No walls. The police chasing you through the street, through barbershops. I am papyrum beater. No bars, no restaurants, no movies, no jobs, no public life. How's this for ironic? Oh, my God. Now Germans, German citizens, will be placed in refugee camps in their own country 
The camps that were actually set up to hold incoming foreigners, now they're for German citizens who don't get jabbed. Papers, please. <laughs> Papers, please. Camps? This is not a good thing. Uh, soon in Austria, if you don't get vaxxed, they will actually put you in prison until you do get vaxxed. Uh, Merkel's successor for Germany, uh, she's about to retire, he wants to do the same thing. I really support Godwin's Law. Have you heard of that one? Um, it's sort of a fun rule of thumb. If you're in an argument, whoever brings up Hitler first loses the argument. You know, Murphy's Law is anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. Godwin's Law makes sense. Um, it made sense for many years because calling your opponent Hitler was like you're I don't know, calling your opponent the devil himself. It, it, was, it was obviously hyperbole. You're trying to reach for the most evil insult you can instead of actually making a debate. But what if you were talking about Germany and Austria and talking about segregation and camps and forced injections? The place where they brought in the Nuremberg Laws that said Jews couldn't go certain places, Jews couldn't have certain jobs, Jews couldn't have the same rights. And, and after the Holocaust, after the Second World War, Nuremberg, the Nuremberg Code, really the opposite of the Nuremberg Racist Laws, a code of medical ethics that requires free, informed, prior consent before undergoing a medical procedure. That Nuremberg Code, as we've talked about before, came from the trial of Nazi doctors who performed experiments on Jews in prison camps. You've thrown that all out. You've thrown out all the lessons of the Holocaust, the demonization, the marginalization, the separation, the ghettoization, the incarceration. <laughs> I hope they won't go to the last yard, the elimination. I know it sounds insane to even suggest it, but can you believe how fast it's gone so far? Camps? They're building camps? Your papers, please? They're demanding papers? They're hunting for Jews? I mean, unvaxxed people? They're demonizing them as unclean? They're going to inject them? I'm sorry, my friends. There are many wonderful German people. I have visited Germany several times, and I see many admirable things about it. I like the German people. I like how Germans think. I like their industriousness. I love how they're problem solvers. I love a lot about Germany. Uh, there are a few asterisks, let me just say. But I don't have a grudge against Germany. I'm a Jew who, who, who likes Germany. Why would I blame a German today for something done 80 years ago? I, I would never call a German a Nazi without cause. My friends, the Nazis are coming back. Stay with us for more. You might recall a couple months ago, we did a whole show on why parliamentary privilege is so important and why you that MPs, members of parliament, parliamentarians, either at the federal or provincial level, have such an important right to take their seat in the chamber, no matter what they've allegedly done to offend the order of the day. This comes from uh, the United Kingdom, where the king himself 
would uh, had stormed into Parliament to try to arrest MPs. Um, parliamentary privilege is there for a reason, so you can't intimidate a representative of the people, no matter what your claim was. I think, though, that's happened in Canada. I'll let the MPP in question, Belinda Karahelios, the MPP for the New Blue Party, representing the riding of Cambridge, tell her story directly. She joins me now via Skype. Belinda, nice to see you. Hi, I, um, Let's jump right in. What happened? You're banned from entering Parliament for 90 days. Says who and for what? So uh, Ted Arnott, the Speaker of the Ontario Legislature, MPP for Wellington Halton Hills, was the one that provided me with this uh, this news just yesterday, actually. So on November the 19th, I tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, now, just for those who don't know, because I refuse to disclose my vaccination status, I take a rapid test twice a week in order to access the Ontario Legislature. And those rules were implemented by the Speaker of the House. So uh, on the 17th of November, I tested positive with an antigen test, a rapid test. It was confirmed with a PCR test on the Friday. And so I did my quarantine as per public health guidelines. At the end of my quarantine on November the 29th, I received an email from public health saying, quarantine is over. You do not need a negative test to go to work. So it was my get out of jail free card for lack of a better word or better term. Um, and so I contacted the Ontario legislature and the speaker uh, had someone at the legislature reply to me saying that, nope, the rules are either show us that you're fully vaccinated or that you have a negative test. Doesn't matter what public health says, you cannot come here for 90 days. So uh, help me understand what the 90 days part was for. So, so if you had a vax or if you passed the test, but this 90 days thing sounds like a new rule, am I wrong? So public health, and I st just spoke with them today actually, which is interesting. So um, the 90 days is because depending on the viral load that you may have had, and I don't know what my viral load was, I assume it may have been light because I had a very mild case of COVID, which is great. Um, but you can potentially test positive, even though you're not actually contagious, for up to 90 days after testing positive for COVID-19. So the risk is um, testing positive when you're not actually, in fact, contagious. So if I go to a, like a shop or drug mart or a Rexall or whatever, uh, the form that you fill out to actually get that rapid test, one of the check boxes says, have I tested positive for COVID-19 in the last 90 days? If you check yes, they won't do the test. So I don't even have a way to get into the legislature um, if I even if I were to find a way to test negative. So you literally cannot take the test if what you're saying is that no one will give you a test because you recently had the virus and you're saying that may cause a false positive if I'm understanding what you're saying. That's so correct. I, I, I think that it's uncontroversial that you would have natural immunity to it now, and although very few institutions in Canada respect that, which I find is anti-science and very bizarre, you've had the disease, but the rules the speaker set up says, you know, get vaxxed or get the test, you're not allowed to get the test, so you're essentially being banned, even though you 
it is known with certainty had it, so you've recovered from it. Am I, I just want to make sure I'm stating it back to you factually accurately. Yeah, you've got it. You absolutely have it. And how did he communicate this ban to you? Was it in writing in some form? So it was initially, it was a uh, email from um, an Ontario legislative staff member, a nice gentleman. And so I emailed Ted, the speaker, directly and followed up with a phone call. He didn't call me back. And then yesterday I received an email right here on my BlackBerry. Um, and he says, you know, he's glad to learn that my symptoms are mild. And then he says he's clarifying um, that public health authorities are advising that both rapid antigen and PCR test results are unreliable in cases where an unvaccinated individual has contracted COVID-19. So he's assuming that I'm not vaccinated. Again, I won't disclose that, but he's making that assumption. So he's uh, doubled down. I cannot access the legislature for 90 days. Now, I know that in other jurisdictions around the world, politicians participate sometimes virtually. In fact, the federal parliament of Canada had an awful lot of its proceedings by Zoom. Um, in Australia, I know in the state of Victoria, um, a number of uh, state legislatures set up sort of a mini parliament in a bar and joined by computer. So we know that's been done before. Are you allowed to participate through Zoom or an equivalent? So no, they, that's not something that uh, was decided for the Ontario legislature. We can, we can attend committees uh, virtually through Zoom, but in order to debate or vote, that must be done in person. There is nothing right now, there's no rules or protocols that allow for that. So you literally cannot, you're barred from voting on anything because you are at least in the in the main chamber of the legislature that's correct so you know um we are sitting until the end of next week um my concern is if we go back early because we are starting our our winter break uh I hate using the word break but yeah the winter break and you know it's likely we could get called back early and i do not want to miss out on this like i, I was elected to do a job the people of Cambridge need me to be there to debate and, and go through legislation. And I can't do that because of these rules. Now, is there anyone who can help you? I, if I recall the quirky laws of legislatures, the speaker is tantamount to a judge in a court. He issues rulings on parliamentary privilege and parliamentary procedure. And I, I guess I've never really thought about it. What happens if you appeal, like in, in a regular court, you can go to the Court of Appeal. It sounds like this speaker, who's like the judge of parliament, says you can't come in for 90 days just because. Um, oh, and, and wouldn't you know it, the rule I said earlier about taking tests, well, that doesn't apply to you. Is there any committee or any, I don't know, actual judge who has the authority to review this speaker's decision? No, there isn't. Unless the only thing that could happen is if a unanimous consent motion was put in the House. Um, and of course, you would have to be present to do that. So another MPP would have to do that. And then whoever's in the chamber would have to consent to that. So, you know, allowing the member from Cambridge to access the legislature without proof of a negative test for the next 90 days or whatever the wording would be for that. But that's the only way around that, that or getting an actual lawyer on it. But, uh, you know, the problem with that is, would we get it before the courts, before the 90 days is up? 
Yeah, I, I, I doubt both of those. First of all, I think it's extremely unlikely that the fellow MPPs would do that. I think this, they're so uh, absurd these days, the grudges, the, the rivalries, and the, the mania over uh, the pandemic. I, not only do I think it would not be unanimous, I'd be surprised if, if a single other person uh, voted for that. Um, is there any non-legal route here? I guess what I mean is, I, I, think, I think you have been barred from doing your job and representing your people for 90 days. Has anyone even weighed in on this? I mean, has any civil liberties group, any law professor, any democracy activist, any opposition member, any NGO, any democracy watch, any, I don't know, I'm trying to think, does anyone give a damn? Um, you know, I think people do care. I know a lot of my constituents care. They're, they're not happy with it. I know that several people have emailed the speaker uh, at his constituency office. Uh, in terms of any organizations, no one has reached out as yet. Um, but, you know, I've, I, like I said, I spoke to public health today, and the nurse that I spoke to said, you know, our rules can, or should supersede that. Like, you sh should not be barred from your workplace because you don't have a negative test. You can't get a negative test. So the nurse was, uh, she was very helpful and quite shocked that something like this would happen. Well, I find the thing very frustrating and the fact that no one cares and that, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to rehash the story of the British king who came with soldiers to the parliament and went in and um, tried to usurp parliament. And that's why we go through this fun little ceremony when parliament begins of bolt locking the door. And I did a whole show on that. I don't propose to rehash it now. But wars were fought over things like that. Um, and I don't just mean like the Second World War fighting for our freedoms. I mean, wars in the United Kingdom itself about what a parliament is and what democracy is in the, in, in the British Empire and in, in Canada, the system we're in. And to throw it away, to throw away the centuries of hard experience that led us to our system, to throw it away like a fool picking up a pearl on the beach and throwing it back into the ocean. I find deeply depressing, but that's the age we're in. Last word to you, Belinda. Well, I just what I found most interesting was that he tried to compare it to um, a bureaucrat who had, was in the same situation. And my, my argument to that is a bureaucrat can work from home when the House is in session. That's not something I can do. So it's very disappointing that the speaker has decided that he knows better than public health and that uh, the science that he may be privy to is better than the science that public health is currently using for those who have um, gotten over COVID-19. I think it's right, a bureaucrat can work from home, but uh, the bigger point than that is a bureaucrat is an employee hired or fired by a boss. Right. You're not an employee. You are the delegate of an entire electoral district. You're not That's there right. by the speaker's whim. You're there by constitutional right. And you are not working for the speaker. You are not an employee of anyone other than those people who voted you. And I think that that shows an illiteracy on the part of the speaker. Dark days indeed, nice to see you. I'm glad your, your illness was not uh, severe and uh, I hope you keep fighting. Thank you, Ezra, thank you so much. All right, there you have it. Belinda Karahelios, an MPP for the New Blue Party, joining us from home because she's not allowed to go to parliament. Stay with us, more ahead.
Welcome back. Jillian Davis says, I keep thinking of the quarantines during historic plague times. Then I think of more recent history of World War II and the communist takeover of Russia and China, bureaucrats overruling doctor recommendations for their patients, coupled with those same bureaucrats raiding doctor's offices for information of people's medical information. It used to be thug life memes. Now it's Stasi life reality in what was once a free and progressive world. You know what? We, we did a whole show last year on Quaranta giorni. That's the Italian phrase, 40 days. That was quarantines for ships. And the phrase bill of health, a clean bill of health. That's where those phrases come from. But they only quarantined the sick. They didn't quarantine everyone else. They didn't punish healthy people. They didn't say, sure, you're healthy, but you must undergo this procedure nonetheless. That's new and that's bizarre. Someone with the nickname Antonymically Correct says, this is peak journalism right here. Treasure is a national treasure. Thank you everyone at Rebel News for what you do. I almost squirted tea out of my nose laughing at this. And yet, despite the satire, it is a very important news story and opinion that no one else will cover. Now you're talking about the CBC and their 18 words you can't say. That's just the 18 that they had time for. Like, that was an enormous article. I'm sure there's quite a few more. You know, what got me about it is that they were trying to dress it up as some scholarly thinking. You know, some they quoted a PhD of this and a PhD of that. But their understanding of the meaning of these old words, like, you know, uh, blackmail or blacklist, they're, in, they're infusing those words that did not have a racial meaning with their own racial meaning. I, I hope you like that clip of Ryan Long and his comedy partner showing that alt-right racists and woke racists really are, they've come full circle and they're saying the same things. That crazy, crazy talk that the CBC tries to normalize, how's that any different from some Klansman who says the same thing. It's just really nuts. That's our show for today. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with a video of the day from Sidney Fizard, our Calgary journalist who talks about Canada's Human Rights Museum that really doesn't live up to human rights, does it? Good night. At the museum, we talk about human rights. We talk about the fact that we all have different perspectives and ideas on what that means. But we want to come together and share one another's stories to learn about those different perspectives and ideas in the hopes that we are going to gain an understanding and respect for one another's ideas. And through dialogue, we can move forward into a better, uh, a better life together. Why am I not allowed in here again? I just would like to get to the fourth floor here the public health order. I want it. Public health order for what? This is the only museum in North America of human rights. Right. Okay, the regulation means that they'll get those four vaccinated because that means that we use the public thing. You guys should be locking all, every one of these guys in by hand into this building, though. The fourth floor of this building is a very easy look. It's exactly why we're here.
Mr. Trudeau and said, look, uh, your magnum opus is the Canadian Charter of Rights, and a national institution should be launched to teach its values and the precepts of it. Well, today is, I think, that day. My father, Israel Asper, selected the perfect location for the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. It's a beautiful building from head to toe. This marvel rests in the heart of Winnipeg and is surrounded by an array of wonderful attractions, acting as a centerpiece, bringing them all together. However, that might be all that's left of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. As you know, vaccine passports have come for all of us, so too have they come to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. Earlier this year, I saw what appeared to be the video of a man being denied access to the museum. Now police is now yes. being called down. This is the only museum in North America of human rights. This discrimination was for not identifying vaccination status, which got me thinking, how did we honestly get to a point where the Canadian Museum for Human Rights was discriminating against its own clientele? I had to see this for myself. So in a recent trip to Manitoba, that's exactly what I did. But on the way, I wanted to speak to the individual who I saw had the police called on him because he tried to gain entry to the museum. I tried to get into the, uh, the museum. There was about uh, eight security guards that uh, kept yelling over my voice. I was trying to uh, voice my concern about even entering the building at that time. Why am I not allowed in here again? Otherwise, what we're No, why am I not allowed in here again? I just would like to get to the fourth floor here. The public health. I want it. Public health order for what? There's an intelligent. Here's it. Here's someone intelligent to talk to. Hey, you guys want to public health order for what? Public health order states that for us to be open, the visitors must be double vaccinated. Double vaccinated for what? For COVID nineteen. We're not. We're not pretending to be experts. Yes, you guys are. No, no, no. We're not actually. Like this is what I'm telling you. Like we're we're not we're not experts at all. We're not scientists. Yeah. All we can do is rely on people that are the experts, and that's public health, and that's what we've done, right? No, I know that's yeah. not what you're doing. What you're doing is segregation. You could, uh, you could be, you could be letting these people in. We pay tax dollars. Where should we should yeah, be allowed in here? This is ridiculous. You should close. You should take a stand, and you no, should close. You take a stand. You would take a stand with us and the rest of these people that would want to get into this museum. And then it was the case that they actually called the authorities on you. And how was your treatment from authorities, and how did that go? The authorities seemed confused. They, they, I, I think they, uh, for the most part, they got me out of there. They, they, there's one, uh, there's one cop there that, um, that got me out of there. But for the most part, they were standing there. There's about eight of them that all got called uh, to the doors that I was at. Um, they just, they obviously wanted the situation to calm down. I don't think a lot of them even wanted to be there by the looks of them. But uh, for the most part, they, uh, I guess, of course, doing their job like they always say. I was just wanted to get up to the fourth floor. Have you been here before? Yes, I have. Yeah, they don't want you to come in. You can't. That, that, and that's what I don't. I'm not pushing my way in. Well, still pushing me out. I just don't. I just don't understand. Go back that way. Do you guys not understand what the, the significance of this museum is? Yeah, and, and why we have so many people standing outside here trying to get in? Then why are you guys protecting the? Yeah.
Yes, you guys are. You have 90,000, 90,000, How much money is that here? Protecting a few doors for what though? What point should you guys be making? You guys should be head pushing. You guys should be locking all, every one of these guys in by hand into this building though. The fourth floor of this building is a very huge significance. It's exactly why we're here. At the same time, there was a protest going on because the Human Rights Museum is implementing a vaccine upon entry policy. Were you part of the protest or you were doing your own thing? Uh, we were part of the group that was there uh, voicing our, our um, concerns about the segregation. I, I hate to call it a protest. Um, this is beyond protest right now. Um, uh, we were voicing our, our, uh, about the segregation, of course, about the human rights uh, needing a vax pass to get in. Um, I was part of the group that was uh, there, planned to be there to voice our concerns. What are your thoughts on the vaccine passport? Oh, man. Where do you start with this, eh? It's even so hard to explain about uh, no, Why should you even be explaining something to this point where uh, it is it is completely unexplainable almost? Uh, it's something that we should not even be talking about, uh, discussing. Um, we have, uh, I, I know my grandfather and, and his uh, um, father before that has has fought for this very reason of, of segregation. Um, this is why we're all in this situation is because of segregation. Uh, the Vax Pass is just one more tool that they're trying to use for the segregation. Um, I think it's a terrible, terrible uh, uh, thing that they have going on. Um, yeah. And uh, lastly, what made you decide to actually go up to the doors and try and get into the Human Rights Museum? I guess calling their bluff. I wanted to see if I was actually able to get into the museum without uh, the, the segregation card in hand. Uh, there was actually people that came there that were double vax that did have their vaccinations up to date. They were turned away because they didn't have their card as well. So um, I think it's even past segregation. It, it's it's uh, to a point of authoritarian and bullying. This incident happened a little while before I got to Manitoba. But now that I was here, I had to take a look. When I woke up, I was quickly reminded by the hotel waiter that proof of vaccination would be required for first class citizenship. No vax pass, no dining. It's funny because the, the waiters and the cooks don't have to, but the guests. <laughs> um, so should we just take this to our room? If you'd like to, yes. And then if you'd like, then I can give you a call when it's ready. Okay, so we can make it for you. And especially for you guys, it's been like every two weeks, it's almost a different set of policies for you to apply, right? Yeah. Now, though my rights were being trampled on, I do have a little bit of sympathy for these small businesses struggling every single day to survive while every week the government issues them a new set of orders and rules that they have to abide by. Now, unfortunately for me, that same day when I went to the Forks, which is a market just south of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, I was faced with this discrimination again. This time, though, it wasn't for indoor dining. It was any dining, even in a park bench outside. But still, if you want to have human rights, you have to have your vaccine passport, just even for me sitting down and eating my pizza. There, it's happening right over there. 
He's asking for a proof of uh, vaccine. But you know what a rebel does. And when I was done eating, I went over to the Human Rights Museum because I wanted to know what they had to say and if they were going to take a stand against what's going on. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah. Sure. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Oh, um, I don't have any. Like, I'm from Ontario. What do I do? But do you have electronic copy of each? Or? I don't have any. Right, so oh. How do we? Because the regulation says that only those who are fully vaccinated and. Um, uh, I don't know then. Because I don't, Cause I don't have the vaccine. Like, so wait, can I come in? This is the Human Rights Museum, right? Yeah. Okay. So what do I do? Right. Okay. The regulation is that only those who are vaccinated, because that then that gives a problem. Then uh, okay. you don't have any proof of that, or you haven't taken. Well, it? I haven't taken it either. Oh, either. Okay. Well, I, that's that's beyond what I can walk on now because I'm only mentioning because that's why I'm here. Sure. Sure. Just check that. Um, so what does that mean? Like, I guess I can't come in? No, you wouldn't. I'm sorry, you wouldn't be. Is there like a, a media representative or is there like a way where I can like find out about the museum? Well, sure, you can. I can get the guys from the, uh, from like, like, just give me, you can just wait. Sure, sure. Uh, do you know if it's like a permanent thing or is it like if I come back in like a certain well, certain days or the regulations going for about two weeks. Uh -huh. They are required to know we have two weeks before. Yeah. And then another so the government also tells us so maybe two weeks, three weeks, then as a situation as a walk with the Department of Health and they come around and say this is what the regulations are. Uh somebody from uh from the operations until uh, good, sorry, nice to meet you. I know I, I can't come in, I'm not vaccinated, uh, but I figured, because I'm, I'm from Ontario, right, so I'm, I'm kind of coming through, and this is probably one of the only chances I'll get to be here. Um, I was wondering if I could just speak to you and ask you about the museum and stuff. Yeah, you can ask me about Sure, can I do this? No. Oh, okay. Um, well, I have questions, if I can do that. Oh, you want to ask, talk to somebody actually about the museum? Yeah. Uh, that usually goes to the communications department. Okay. So you have to be vaccinated uh, to be to go inside. Is it also you have to have a, a mask? You have to wear So it's both, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just it's easier there. Yeah. Okay. You guys are just like a, a contracted security. Yeah. 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 So yeah. hey, thank you so much. This helps. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. What's this say? This is the media representative? Yeah. Okay. And this is just a general email box and hotline. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. And um, I saw one video where the guy got kicked out of the building. Is there. Uh, probably a month ago when this first quarter first came out, we had a little bit of a protest here. But yeah. I'm not sure if anybody filed anything. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. That's the person that happens. Yeah, we all kind of expected that, didn't we? After that occurred, I did send an email to the people I was sent to uh, and hoped I would hear a response. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get a response. Wait, hold on, I actually did get a response and you're not gonna believe what they had to say. But first, let me give you a little recap. In this video, we showed you what it's like to be someone who is unvaccinated from the outside. 
it is painfully self-evident that as an unvaccinated person, we are unwelcome. This applied not only to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, but everywhere else I went to. My hotel, the local shops, anywhere the government can stick its nose, it seems to do so. I've uh, come up with an 11th commandment, which is obey the public health orders. And I would encourage everyone to make sure they do that. They implement orders in the fight against COVID-19, but based on what I've seen, it's not something that the people of Manitoba adhere to willingly. Instead, they do it begrudgingly in fear of government backlash, even though all the while their livelihoods are being swept out from underneath them regardless. But let's get back to the Human Rights Museum. I'm very thankful that they reached out and responded, even if it was a little delayed. So you saw this one, you know what it's like from the outside. Check out our next video to see what it's like from the inside, from their point of view. And don't forget to go to fightvaccinepassports.com, a democracy fund civil liberties project aimed at helping those who have been most marginalized in this time of the so-called pandemic. In the meanwhile, I'm going to leave my questions to them on screen for a moment. I want you to let me know in the comments what you think they might have said. Now, I am thankful that they replied, even if it was a little delayed. So be sure to give them their due diligence, hear their side of the story. I asked them 11 questions and I got 11 answers. Now, even though those answers were interesting, I look forward to detailing them for you in our next video. Stay tuned for Rebel News. I'm Sydney Fazard. Stay tuned for the latest news at rebelnews.com. It's the only place where you can get these full videos uncensored. As you know, YouTube and other platforms do censor content. So if you want to get the full story, the other side that they're not going to show you, check back with us at rebelnews.com.